Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. I'm happy to be preaching with you today. Um, we've been exploring different angles of being a peace church over the last few months, and I want to continue with that conversation today, uh, but cover kind of a different angle. Um, last week, we talked about our denominal stance on war and the military, and that was a very heavy topic. Um, I very much appreciated some of the follow-up conversations I've had with folks since then. Let's you know keep the conversation going. Um, and I wanted to talk about fighting again this week. Uh, but in the opposite sense of how we think about the concept. And so I want to talk about not, um, not fighting against others, uh, but I want to talk about the concept of fighting for other people. Uh, what does it look like to fight for others, uh, to look out for others, to putting them above yourself, to be an active peacemaker, uh, of living a life of humility uh, in service uh, to and with others? And so we're going to talk about some practical attitudes we can embody and steps we can take to help live out this idea. So as always, we begin with prayer, uh, so please pray with me. Um, Lord, we are so thankful uh, for Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Uh, we're thankful for the truth of that in its original setting, the truth of that throughout the ages, and the truth of that for us here and now today. Uh, I pray I would indeed be able to preach and proclaim your truth. If I say anything that's not of you, let that be forgotten. Uh, but we pray that you would be brought glory and honor, that we learn to better be your disciples and learn to better fight for one another in the process. Amen. All right, so our base text is from uh, Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter while he's imprisoned in the city of Philippi. Um, And this is one of the more straightforward passages in the Bible. Um, This is one where, like, there's not a whole lot of uh, just disagreements about what this all means. It's like a pretty straightforward uh, uh, message. Um, The call upon Christians uh, is to be like Christ and to look out for each other, to put others above yourself. Um, you know, we're, we're called to follow the example that Jesus laid for us. As always, Jesus is leading us, and like any good leader, he's leading by example. And so I'll put up the first uh, verses 6 to 8 up on the screen. Um, basic Christian theology would understand that, hey, Jesus was, was fully human. He was a full person, uh, but he was also fully divine. Um, and as God, since he was God, he didn't have to be here. He didn't have to do all this stuff, but that is what he did. Um, he chose to do these things. Um, and I, I picked the complete Jewish Bible because I, I love how it translates this as, God, uh, Jesus did not regard equality with God as something to be possessed for by force. I just, I just again, I love the way they kind of uh, uh, translate that. Um, we see a great example of this actually in Matthew 26. Uh, during the arrest of Jesus, his disciples don't like this. They pull out their swords to uh, start fighting off, fight off the arresting officers. And this is just like one more time that Jesus has to step in and correct them and say, like, you're doing this all wrong. You're thinking about this all wrong. Uh, Jesus says, like, hey, I can just snap my fingers and call down uh, thousands upon thousands of angels by my side. He can do this because he's God. But the whole point of his life and his mission is that he doesn't, that he ends up taking on those powers of sin and death through his own death. And so because of that, we read in verses 9 through 11 uh, that God has raised him to the highest place, uh, that uh, this is Jew- uh, Jesus' true and rightful place as the one to be worshipped by all. 
you know, when we kind of like think about this and how our own lives like inter- intersect with this, uh, as humans, as, especially as 21st century Americans, we tend to think fairly highly of ourselves. We, we tend to like ourselves quite a bit. Um, you know, we live in a very me-centered culture. Um, and if you think about most of our heroes, the people we idolize, the people we make trading cards of, um, they tend to be famous people, uh, movie stars and athletes and musicians. Uh, those are the folks, that, again, we, we build statues to. Uh, uh, we, we very much uh, value this idea of rugged individualism, which we talked about in, in the Sunday School uh, Hour. Um, so the, uh, we tend to idolize those who have stuff. Uh, we tend to idolize those who have power. Um, instead of um, idolizing those who embody simplicity, instead of idolizing those who embody meekness, you know, we, what if we were to fl- like flip it around and start making trading cards of kindergarten teachers or putting up statues of librarians and, and things like that? Um, but the call of us as believers is to live a life of humility. And a big part of that is uh, to be looking to the interests of others above ourselves. It's a call to follow Jesus as he first led and to oftentimes get out of our own way. It's a call to put aside selfish purposes, vain conceit. It's a call to fight, not against others in a race to the top, but a call to fight for others. It's a call to humility. So let's talk about humility. So I think it's important for us to take a moment and address a few things that humility is not. Uh, because we can very easily have some misconceptions about humility and just want to touch upon that for a moment. And so humility is not just being a doormat. Humility is just never standing up for your own interests or looking out for yourself. Um, a, a humble person is not necessarily lacking in confidence. In fact, you can be very confident in your gifts and your talents uh, and then you, uh, use them to not put others down in the process or to not trample down others along the way. I think that humility is loving people. It's seeing the image of God in them, despite whatever differences may set us apart, especially those ones that maybe make you feel superior to them, especially those, those ones that maybe make you feel like you're a better person than them. Um, I think that we can also easily have a false sense of humility about ourselves, and that can manifest itself in uh, different ways. Um, I know for me, as I was kind of working on this sermon, I was kind of thinking about, like, again, like what humility is not. And I know for me, I really struggle with uh, taking compliments. Like, I do not like accepting compliments. Uh, because if someone does that, I usually do a couple things. I usually downplay their com- uh, comments. I usually turn it around, like, oh, I couldn't have done it without you. Or like, hey, I learned it from, from you. Or I take some sort of action to kind of get out of the conversation. And I realize that I am uncomfortable with praise because it makes me think that I'm not humble and that I'm not supposed to, you know, be like that. And so I am, like, in, in, uh, falsely embodying humility, and then I think, ironically, I'm getting prideful about that. And so as I'm trying to embody humility, I'm weirdly, like, embodying pride at the same time. And so in, in working through this sermon, I realize that's an area I need to grow in, and I think that that's a false myth that I uh, uh, buy into. And so if you want to test me on this, just offer me a compliment after the service, and I'll, I'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, so... Okay, that's what humility is not. So uh, where do we go from here? Like, how do we fight each other? What, what does humility look like? How, you know, what, what, what can we say about that? And so what, I, what I'm going to do is talk through five different ways that we can fight for each other. Five different ways. These are just small, tangible things that we can do in our own lives, uh, just actions to take, attitudes to have. Um, all of these things interweave with each other as well. They don't necessarily all stand on their own. So they're kind of different sides uh, to the humility coin. 
And so I think the first one uh, is this, that we should know our humanity, uh, accept our humanity and to know our limits. Um, simply put, we are not the experts in everything. We're not always right about everything. Um, that we are gonna get stuff wrong along the way and that's okay. Um, we should very much be open to admitting and apologizing when that is the case. Um, that we should be open to feedback from others. And being open to feedback is, can be very terrifying. It can be very scary, uh, but that is how we grow. That is how we evolve. That is how we get better in life. Because if we say, stay static, we're not growing and learning, um, and we're not like, learning how to fight for each other. Uh, that you are not the expert of everything. I am certainly not the expert of everything. Like, none of us are the experts in all things. Um, and it, like, I bring this up because we live in this weird time for where the first time in human history, like, all of knowledge is, like, at our fingertips. Like, you can pull out your phone and anything you want to know about, like, you can just pull up and, like, just, like, read about it. Like, that's still, like, a very, very, very new concept that we're still trying to, like, like, it'll take us a long time to understand the ramifications of that. And obviously, there's a lot of good in that. That's awesome. Like, I get, I'm like, I'm terrible at home projects, so if I'm like, I have to do something, I just look it up on YouTube and read articles and like, okay, now I know how to do this very simple thing, I don't need to call a professional in. That's good. Um, but there's a danger in that suddenly we, we watch an article, we listen to a TED talk, and suddenly we think we're this newfound expert at something that we don't actually know that much about. So I could probably watch a video and like learn how to put a new toilet in, could probably do that with some fear and trembling, but for then for me to say, I'm gonna replumb my whole house, I think we might uh, have to check in a, to a hotel for a few months if that was the case. Um, you know, during COVID lockdowns, I think this was on full display as just we're all stuck behind our screens and it, it, with our keyboards and we're just like reading article after article and just we're experts in everything all, all of a sudden. Uh, because with social media, it's just so easy to like, for, uh, for uh, misinformation to rapidly spread and then that, that can easily get weaponized against others that we disagree with. Um, this can cause us to become even more insular and trusting in ourselves and what we've read instead of listening to actual experts, instead of listening to people that actually know what they're talking about, uh, that have like lived this kind of stuff out. And so we need to be aware of the times in which we live and be mindful of how much we actually know uh, versus uh, the false knowledge that is, that is out there that can easily pit us against others. Second thing is, you know, are you aware of your biases when you're in a situation and feeling excluded. Um, this is a call to examine your own uncomfortableness when in new situations that are just you know, unfamiliar to you. Um, normally we would talk about the idea of welcoming in others who are different than us, but I, I kinda wanna flip that around for this example. And so what I mean by that is, you, uh, you might be in a situation that involves elements uh, that are not natural to you, where you are like in the minority, where everyone else is doing this thing and like I don't understand what, what is going on right now. Uh, but when you're in those situations, when you're being confronted, or, uh, confronted with new ideas and new concepts, like, are you open to those things? Are you open to growing in how you understand the world? Are you, open to, are you open to changing? Are you open to evolving in how you live your life and be open to others who may have a different way of doing things? Um, in college, I went to Guatemala with classmates on this 10-day missions trip. And it was the first time I was really out of the country. I think I was 21, 22 when, when I did this trip. Um, I was really excited about this. I hadn't really flown that much. Again, had, hadn't really been to other, uh, other parts of the world. Um, and any time you visit a foreign country, uh, you start to see things immediately that make you realize like, oh, like, we're not in Kansas anymore. You know, I'm not in America anymore. Um, it was the first time I think in my life that I experienced like true culture shock, uh, where it's like everything looks 
like we're on Earth, but also things look kind of different. So you get off the airplane and there's professional government signs everywhere, but like they're in Spanish. Um, you're driving around, you're looking at buildings and you're like, okay, these are obviously buildings with electricity and modern, but like they're just structured a little differently. The doors and windows, it's just, it's just like kind of a different building materials. Um, unfamiliar foods were all over the place. Like it was weird because like I was, in a, I was in a Burger King and they had like um, Whoppers and that kind of stuff, but then they also had like traditional Guatemalan food. So it's like this like culture shock that uh, I was experiencing. And I kept saying, I kept thinking this phrase, oh, that's weird about these new encounters, and I had to, I actually just said it in, in my sermon just a second ago, and I had to stop myself from saying, oh, that's weird, because I also realized, no, it's not weird, it's just different. Like, that my personal experiences, uh, how I've lived my life, are not the correct global default setting. Uh, these are just what I personally am used to. And most of these things are not right or wrong, they're just culturally how I understand, like, the world should work. Uh, we're, we're reading this book in Sunday School, An Untidy Faith, um, and that book is highlighting the author's uh, global travels and how that, got to, uh, that, how that got her to come to just a deeper level of faith because a lot of what she grew up uh, with thinking uh, was the, like the sole correct way of doing this thing uh, was challenged as she experienced other cultures and realized like, oh, there's like different and nuanced ways to kind of like think about this kind of stuff. And so as you are introduced to new ideas, as you are introduced to new practices, as you are introduced to new concepts, um, where you are kind of like, I'm not familiar with this, um, especially with things related to faith, are, are you open to hearing what others bring to the table that maybe at first blush makes you feel uncomfortable because like, you're just not used to it and like, that can't be possibly right. Like, are you open to kind of like expanding things? Um, you know, we all have our rhythms, we all have our practices, which have value and meaning for us. Uh, but sometimes those things can be expanded upon. Sometimes those things can be fleshed out in new ways uh, as a way to continue to invite people into the community. And so as our local church body continues to grow, as, as continues to expand, um, you know, we're, how are we maintaining who we are while also expanding who we are as new people come into our fold? And so are you aware of your biases? Are you aware of how like, that excludes you from others when experiencing something new? And so as, as, you, as you are dealing with this, so, you know, face your biases, lay them at the cross, and fight for others. Third thing, recognize your jealousy and your envy. Um, there are a lot of reasons we may resist trying to fight for somebody else, uh, but certainly if we're just honest with ourselves, like, jealousy is a big part of that. Envy is a big part of that. Um, but I think we have to remind ourselves that life is not the Olympics. Like, how we're living, it's not a competition. But just because someone is, is succeeding where you are not, that's not a bad thing. Um, if, if you're not sure if, if this is something you do or something you experience, um, ask yourself this um, when, when something uh, good or positive happens to your friends, to those that you care about. Um, ask, like, are you finding yourself saying this, this, this uh, thing, like this good thing happens, and then you say, yeah, but. Like, is that a mindset that you kind of fall into? And so if you are in the habit of having that phrase be part of your vocabulary, then you're not fighting for others. Like, oh, yeah, they got the promotion over me, but. Well, yeah, he got that part over, over me, but. Like, yeah, their kid's doing better in this thing than, than my kid is, but. You know, it's so easy for us to let jealousy and envy get in the way of fighting for others because we want what they have or think that we deserve it over them. 
I think sometimes we have this mentality that life is, is, is pie, is like a pie. That just because someone else has a piece of something, uh, that doesn't mean that you don't or won't get that eventually. Uh, like maybe there's a piece coming your way as well. I don't have a, an analogy of what, like a dessert of what life is like, but I think sometimes we get stuck thinking like life is pie, they have this piece, now I can't get it and now life is over and now I hate this person. Um, the comedian Chelsea Handler, has, I think, has a great story that kind of, uh, uh, kind of wraps this up. Um, she has, uh, where she was still a relatively young comedian, um, and she was uh, inviting a friend who was also new to the scene to help her out at this gig. Um, and they both performed, uh, and the next day the agency called for her friend for follow-up work, uh, but they didn't call Chelsea back. Um, and she was mad about this, and she called up her sister, and she was kind of venting to her, and she had a bunch of, yeah, but. Like, yeah, she's my friend, but, like, she didn't even want to show up to this thing. Uh, you know, she's like kind of new to this thing. I have more experience. Like she, like she had all these things that she was like frustrated about. And her sister was basically like, look, jealousy is a natural thing you're feeling. Um, you can't necessarily stop yourself from feeling that way, but you can't stay there and you can't act upon it because she is your friend. And like, don't you care about her and don't you want her to succeed in this as well? Um, and she realized in that moment, like, hey, there's room for both of us here. Um, and Chelsea, she ends the story with this line, which I absolutely love. I think it's so good. She says, I never, ever blow out someone else's candle to make mine brighter. Um, if you're not familiar with Chelsea Handler, she is very much, like, not a Christian. If this sermon went viral and she found herself, like, like me using her as a positive example, I think she would not be for that. But, like, she had this, like, very, like, Christ-like attitude about, like, about jealousy and her friends. And so just because someone has something that you don't, like, that's okay. Uh, there is space for you to grow. Uh, there are things that you have that, like, others don't. And there are certainly people who are looking to blow out uh, your candle and make themselves look brighter in the process. Fourth one, the kindness test, a.k.a., am I being a jerk here? Uh, fighting each other, simply put, just means being kind to each other. Uh, building a bridge means loving people, putting their needs and concerns above your own. And so are you being kind in the process? To be clear, it doesn't mean we always agree. It doesn't mean we always see the eye to eye on everything. But, like, we can still be kind to each other as we're kind of working through, like, the difficulties of life. Um, I realize in a marriage that you can be completely right about something and yet still be shockingly wrong. Um, and so in 2018, we bought our house. And our front door, uh, kind of, there's two doors. And it has, there's this one thin outer metal door and then like the normal thicker door like inside. Um, and as we were moving in and slowly starting to just live in the house, it was this like several week process, I noticed that uh, uh, Kara, my wife, was always locking both sets of doors. So it was four uh, locks, you know, two in the outer and two in the, in, the, in the inner one. And I typically would not lock the outer door because admittedly it was cumbersome to have to deal with you know, four different locks. It just slowed me down. Um, and then that outer door, that outer metal door, was like kind of misaligned a little bit and probably should have had a professional come in and kind of fix it to make sure it, like, you couldn't be uh, forced through. Uh, basically, if someone was going to burst through that, uh, that, that inner thick door, that I don't think that outer door was necessarily going to stop them. Um, and so I kept getting annoyed that both doors were locked because you know, I was the one moving most of the stuff. It was uh, summertime, it was hot, she was pregnant, so like I was doing most of the work. And like, again, this just took more time. It kind of slowed me down. And so it started to become a bit of an issue. And I kept saying like, why are you locking both of these doors? Like, the, like that outer door doesn't need to be locked. And she kept saying to me, it matters because it makes me feel safer knowing that they're both bolted shut. And we kind of went round and round for this uh, for a bit. And then suddenly it hit me. 
let's say that I were to share this story in front of a group of people, kind of like I'm doing now, and how would that group perceive my actions? What would they think, and how would they respond? Would there be a villain into this story? You know, so, you know, was I right? Did locking that door make us any safer? I would say that strictly, technically speaking, I think I was right in that outer door really needed some work to properly function, uh, but was I actually right? No, not at all. Categorically, without reservation, 100% I was wrong. Why? Because my wife told me she didn't feel safe if both of the doors weren't locked. And so by trying to shave off 10 seconds from my routine, I was not making her feel safe. I was not making her feel secure. I was not making her feel cared for. I was not making her feel uh, listened to or loved or any of the other things that just go into being married to somebody. And so when it hit me that I was the villain in the story, that I would be perceived as a jerk, that I was not fighting for my wife, well, that's what led me to start double locking my doors at night. And so as Christians, we need to be fighting for each other all the more so fighting for our families, for our kids, our parents, our spouses. And again, like when disagreements come up, like be kind in the process, like don't be a jerk. And so if there are situations where you're doing that, like now is the time to change. Today is the time to change. That's what Jesus is calling you to do, uh, to be a peacemaker with all, especially your family, be kind in the process. Last point is this, fifth, fifth point is this, is maybe sometimes we just need to get over ourselves. Um, you know, sometimes we just need that. You might be stuck with an ongoing issue. You might have this deep-seated like thought process or just the way that you're going about something that you're not fighting for others and you kind of are just stuck in that. I think Jesus also calls us to radically get over ourselves and just get out of the way sometimes. I think sometimes you just really need like a really a strong change in how you're doing something and a strong pivot. Or in the words of the poet Ice Cube, sometimes you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Another story. Uh, when I was in college, I took this class on the ethics and morality of computers and technology. It was kind of thinking about like holistically about technology and not, not just assuming it's all perfectly good, but thinking about like, like philosophically, like does this benefit society? And so uh, the major project we had was this group, uh, this group semester long thing. It was worth most of our grade. Um, uh, the people I was with, we made this uh, little movie about how technology ends up making this guy's life a lot worse. And so I was with the, on this project with two different guys. Uh, one, I knew pretty well, I was friends with, I liked him, I enjoyed spending time with him, I would have considered him a, a good friend. Um, the other guy, um, not so much. I, I didn't like him. I, I found him to be annoying, and I didn't want to be on the project with him. And like of all the people in my class, he was literally at the bottom of the list of anyone I would have wanted to spend time with in that class. And so we started working on this thing in September, and I was just like, I was dreading it because I was stuck with this person I did not care for, and I did not want to spend time with them. Um, and after a few weeks, I had this moment of clarity where I realized, hey, unless I have some pretty major changes in my attitude, like I'm going to remain miserable in this project. And so I made a mental change in my brain where I decided, you know what, as best as I possibly can, I'm just gonna get along with this guy that I, that I don't care for. Um, I, I made it a spiritual discipline. I like prayed about it and I said, Jesus, like, I need you to help change my heart about this because I don't want this. And it was not easy, but after a few weeks, I just, again, started to just think about things differently. And I found myself like, oh, I like, didn't mind the project as much. And actually towards the end, 
I looked forward to it. I actually looked forward to spending time with him and uh, working on this project together. It ended up, ended up being a lot of fun. We got a good grade. I think I got an A. Um, and overall, it was, just, it, was, it was a good experience. And I ended up genuinely liking him as a person and enjoying his company. Um, the, the, the icing on the cake or the, 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 the cherry on top was our, you know, our, our classes over in December. Um, and that was the time that the second Lord of the Rings movie came out, The Two Towers. You know, I, I wanted to go see it. I was a poor college kid, don't have a lot of money. Um, and I ran into him one day, and he's like, hey, you have a car, right? I was like, I do. He's like, you want to go see this new Lord of the Rings movie? Because I have an extra ticket, and my ride fell through, and so I need someone to take me. And I was like, yes, I would love to do that. And so if you had told me in August that, hey, five months from now, I'm going to be seeing Lord of the Rings in the theater with this guy sitting next to him and enjoying it, I would have laughed in your face. And yet we had so much fun that afternoon. And so in looking back on that, I am just utterly embarrassed at how ignorant I was being. And I didn't like the guy, and I didn't have an honest reason aside of I just found him to be annoying. He wasn't mean to me. He never did anything to hurt me. He was actually a genuinely nice person. And so for me, I needed a severe change in attitude. I needed to just get over myself. And so for this last point, if you're dealing with some sort of like just major thing in your life, where you're stuck, where you're just systematically opposed to uh, building a bridge, where you are categorically just not fighting for someone else, and in your heart of hearts you know, like, you know what, I'm wrong about this thing. Again, like, the story of, of Jesus is one about redemption and change, and that's what you are uh, being invited into to do now in this moment. But Jesus is always here in front of us, leading the way, asking him to follow, uh, follow him in a deeper and richer and more profound way than we could ever thought possible. He's calling us to fight for each other in all kinds of different ways each and every single day. And so to, uh, to my friends in the faith, to uh, those on a faith journey, to my brothers and sisters, let us continue to set our eyes on the cross and continue to follow Jesus as, as the ultimate peacemaker as he asks us to fight for one another. Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.